You're listening to Congratulations, It's Assist, a holistic health podcast for your curious brain. Hello, oh, how are ya? Oh, it feels like it's been ages since I've put up an episode and I'm really freaking sorry. It's not from lack of trying. I actually had an episode ready to go a couple of weeks ago and then someone who is way more amazing, way more qualified than I am to speak on the topic of laparoscopic procedures got back to me and they were like, I'm super keen to have a chat. So I was like, all right, throw this bastardized version of laparoscopy in the bin and we'll do it much better in a few episodes away. So if you have any questions about that topic, I know a whole bunch of you are wondering about laparoscopy. It is the diagnosis as well as the treatment method for endometriosis. So heaps of good stuff coming up in that one, but get through your questions. I'll make sure that we answer anything that you want to know and we'll talk all things laparoscopy really, really, really soon. Now for this episode, we're going to do the old switcheroo and we're going to talk about the Rotterdam criteria, which is the diagnosis criteria for polycystic ovary syndrome or PCOS. I really wanted to cover this one off because there are three main criteria which will diagnose you as an individual with PCOS. But before we get there, I've got some things to say and nobody can stop me because it's just me on the other end of the microphone. So number one, I finished my exams. I got my marks back. I absolutely stressed everyone out in my life about the fact that I thought that I failed everything uh, when I absolutely did not. And I don't know if anybody else uh, is studying who's listening at the moment, but my gosh, every time I leave an exam, it doesn't matter how much I've studied. It doesn't matter how prepared I am. I'm still like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I shouldn't even be studying this. I'm just going to drop out. Like I'll change unis. Oh my gosh. Like I just don't know what's going to come of this. And then I get back my marks and I'm like, oh, <laughs> whoops. Uh, should not have worried about that so much. So second on the agenda, Mama K is a Moddy Body affiliate now. Woohoo to me. Um, so I got in touch with Moddy Body because I had heaps of questions come through from you all about the most sustainable uh, period care items to use. And I personally have only been using a cup for about seven years. So I got in touch with Moddy Body to see whether they could answer a few questions so that I could give you a bit of information. And they were like, try it for yourself, mate. And they sent me five pairs, I think, of Moddy Body undies, which I absolutely love. There were a few styles which I wouldn't necessarily buy for myself. Um, and if if you want to check out my review, I've popped it up on Instagram. It's me in a pair of undies. So you can go check that out if you like. There's a link on Instagram. There's a link on the website at www.congratulationsitsassist.com.au. Uh, also, feel free to flick me through what you think and I'll pop it up on Instagram so everyone can see as well. Now, having said that, I still freaking love my cup and I've also reached out to an amazing business 
on the forefront of menstrual cups at the moment. They've got menstrual cups in such beautiful colors, different sizes, oh, low cervix, no problem. And you probably know the business that I'm talking about. I'm not going to say the name just in case it doesn't happen, but if it does happen, I'm not even sure what it's going to be. Maybe it'll be an Instagram live. Maybe it'll be an episode. We'll see. But we're going to try and get them on so that we can talk about menstrual cups as well to kind of give you a really well-rounded resource to make an educated decision on what period care products you want to use. Sustainable is amazing. I love it. I never run out. I would never go back. Now I'm on day two of my cycle, full disclosure, which is probably why I'm so passionate about period care products at the moment. And I actually remember that last month when I was on, I think I was day one, two and three, day one, two and three of my cycle. And I watched season two of Love on the Spectrum. Has anybody watched that? If you haven't watched it, go watch it. But just if you're on your period, maybe hold off because it's too wholesome. It's too wholesome. I was in floods of tears. Like the rains in Perth at the moment had nothing on me crying, watching Love on the Spectrum. Like I almost flooded our house. I was so emotional. I was like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. So if you haven't watched Love on the Spectrum, great TV show to watch. It's just super feel good, super adorable definitely get on it. I think that's all the hot goss that I got for now. I really want to get into the Rotterdam criteria. So let's dive straight in. So just to give you a little bit of a background, the Rotterdam criteria was developed in 2003 by a bunch of experts at a workshop. And it's just three criteria, which you can fall into. You have to fall into at least two. Um, So if you have one, don't freak out. There's probably something else at play, which is causing that symptom. And you should definitely still investigate that. But if you've got two or three, I would definitely recommend looking into it further and seeing whether it is a diagnosis of PCOS so that you can start to make uh, the necessary changes to try and alleviate those symptoms. Okay. So these three criteria are number one, oleomenorrhea slash amenorrhea. Number two, hyperadrogenism, which is higher levels of androgens in the blood. And number three, cysts on the ovaries, which are visible in an ultrasound. All right. So let's break all of these down. We'll go through one by one. So number one is oleomenorrhea and amenorrhea. So oleomenorrhea is an infrequent menstrual cycle. This usually means that you get your period maybe once every two or three months. So a total of, let's say, four to six times a year. So you don't really see it very often at all. And amenorrhea is just, you haven't had your period for a really long time. You never get your period. So it's not infrequent. It's just non-existent. Now, if you're looking for more information about the menstrual cycle, I spoke a little bit about it in episode 10, where I kind of gave an overview of how long a typical menstrual cycle lasts for, uh, the different colors of blood and what they mean. It's a super listenable episode. I think it only goes for about 15 minutes or so. So if you want some more information about that kind of thing, make sure you go back and listen to that episode. It's got some handy uh, information just to kind of, you know, navigate your period and you can add that to your tool bag. Okay. So while oleomenorrhea and amenorrhea are typical for polycystic ovary syndrome, I really want to touch on amenorrhea 
uh, as something that can show up outside of PCOS or outside of the diagnosis of PCOS. So amenorrhea is something that happens, yes, if you do have polycystic ovaries, it's a very, very common symptom. However, amenorrhea can also be present based on things like stress. Stress is freaking huge. We really underestimate how impactful stress can be on the body, on the brain and on the menstrual cycle. So if your body is in a constant state of stress, your body will shut down non-essential functions and making babies is one of those non-essential functions. So it'll kind of, you know, figure out that you're going through a lot of stress and it'll just be like, look, we're just not going to have a kid. Like we're not going to put this body under more stress and you just won't get your period. So if you you have a really stressful job, if you're chronically stressed, like if you're always overloading yourself, always burning the candle at both ends, maybe you freaking love to go to the club and uh, you're doing that all the time, which is stressing your body out. So there's so many different reasons. I don't know your story, but if you're always stressed, that can affect your period as well. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you have PCOS. It could just be that your body isn't prioritizing getting your period at this point in time. If it's not stress related, it could also be the fact that maybe you've lost a lot of weight in a really short amount of time, or sometimes that you've gained a lot of weight in a really short amount of time. This can send your hormones out of whack and then it's see you later, menstrual gator, menstruation gator, the alligator who menstruates. I don't know, but your body basically changes too quickly. The body doesn't really know how to adapt. And then it just starts to deprioritize things like ovulating and having babies because it doesn't seem uh, important or integral at this point in time. And just to complicate it even further, you losing your period could also be down to things like menopause or fibroids, which we'll talk about in an upcoming episode as well. So there's so many reasons and it's just so deep and it's usually got to do with hormones or stress. So if you're missing your period, Even if it's the only symptom that you have, look into it, figure out why. So second criteria for PCOS is the higher levels of androgens present in the bloodstream. So androgens, firstly, are a group of hormones that play a role in male traits and reproductive activity. So that's things like testosterone, you know, those kind of male hormones, typically male hormones. When uh, someone who is assigned female at birth has more of these male hormones in their body, it can show up in external symptoms uh, such as excessive hair growth or male pattern baldness. Um, Also, acne is quite typical of that too. So, You know, with the excessive hair growth, you may notice hair growth around the lip area, chin area, cheeks uh, and arms, fingers, toes, back, chest, all of those areas where individuals assigned male at birth would show uh, as hairier areas. Um, Not only does the hair become more voluminous, but it will also become maybe more coarse, uh, darker. So even if you traditionally have had light hair on your body, that hair can become darker and that's uh, the impact of those typically male hormones. Now, not only is hair 
gain, something that can happen with PCOS, but also hair loss, like male pattern baldness. Say, for example, um, when I had PCOS, when I was first starting to present with symptoms, my middle part started to lose hair. So it was becoming more and more prominent. You know what? I probably should change it from middle part because I feel like that's probably still happening because it's been a middle part for like 15 years. But it was starting to become more prominent. I was losing hair down the middle of my head. You might see the word hertuism being thrown around quite a lot. And hertuism is the prominence of uh, these male pattern kind of growth and loss of hair. So if you ever see that word, it usually relates to this second point of the diagnosis criteria. Okay, so another symptom which can show up from these higher levels of androgens is acne. And I'm not saying that I loved the hertuism or I loved the amenorrhea or the cysts on my ovaries, but acne was definitely my least favorite symptom when I had PCOS. And it's because it's not your typical acne with small kind of pimps. It's these deep cystic acne, which is kind of concentrated around the jawline, the chin and the neck, because these are quite hormonal areas. And this is very hormonal acne. So it can show up anywhere. It can be on the forehead, on the cheeks, on the nose, uh, the back and the chest also. Um, But yeah, if you find that it is kind of concentrated around your jawline um, and your chin area and your neck, uh, this could be indicative of PCOS due to these higher levels of androgens. and can be a strong indication of a hormonal imbalance. So if you notice that you have this kind of acne, it might not be PCOS, but just look into it, get it checked out, uh, maybe get some bloods done on your hormone levels, uh, your testosterone and things like that, and see whether it could be something that's affecting your skin. All right, controversy time. Uh, Criteria number three is cysts on the ovaries showing up in an ultrasound. Very controversial at the moment whether this should be part of the diagnosis of um, PCOS, but I'll go through it anyway and then I'll kind of back it up with some information. So the word cysts is very misleading because these cysts aren't actually cysts. They're just fluid-filled sacs or follicles that are on the ovary. Um, So there are heaps of people uh, who may present with cysts on the ovaries and it would relate in no way to PCOS and they can be fairly harmless. So your cysts kind of have to be in cahoots with uh, either an infrequent or lack of menstrual cycle and uh, the higher levels of androgens in the blood. So either one or both of those, it doesn't run solo. If it's running solo, you can't be diagnosed with PCOS just from the cysts alone. So the cysts on your ovary are usually picked up using an ultrasound and I feel like I've got duty of care to kind of let you know what this ultrasound entails because I kind of walked in and I thought they were going to squeeze some jelly on my belly and just run like that wand thing over the top of my belly and kind of figure out what was going on from there. And that's not what happens. This is an internal ultrasound, proper name, vaginal ultrasonography, and the wand is placed inside the vagina 
vagina and that's how they form the image of what's going on on your ovaries. So an ultrasound is an imaging method which uses high frequency sound waves to create a picture of what's going on inside the body. So basically the sound waves will bounce around in there and they'll form the picture that you typically see whenever someone's like, oh, look at my baby, except it won't be a baby. It'll be like the surface of your ovary. So cysts on the ovaries is the criteria, but the criteria does break down further into uh, more than 20 follicles uh, visible on one or both ovaries. So you can't just have a couple um, on one of the ovaries. It kind of has to be quite an abundance of follicles. Uh, And then the other point is that if you don't have more than 20 follicles uh, on one or both of the ovaries, then the size of one or both of the ovaries is increased. And that has to be by more than 10 mil. Yeah, a little bit misleading. And I think that's why this part of the criteria has been really controversial in recent times, because uh, there's a a lot more awareness about these follicles and how common they are, um, how, you know, people can go their whole lives having all these follicles on their ovaries and never really, you know, having any impact or knowing that they have any follicles on their ovaries. So I'll just finish this up with saying that uh, ovarian cysts can be pretty common, uh, especially throughout childbearing years and as a natural result of the menstrual cycle. And they usually just kind of go away on their own without needing any medical attention. So if you have cysts, it doesn't mean you have PCOS and vice versa. Lara Bryden, who is freaking amazing in every way, if you haven't heard of her and you want more information on all things women's health, go and check out Lara Bryden. I'm actually reading her book at the moment, The Period Repair Manual. And once I've finished it, I'm going to chuck up a recommendation because it is I'm such a fan. I think that she is super knowledgeable and absolutely amazing. So if you haven't heard of Lara Bryden, go check her out immediately. Like even pause this. I won't even be offended, but go check out Lara Bryden because she's very, 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 very cool. So basically the information that I was able to find uh, says that PCOS just shouldn't be diagnosed via an ultrasound. And there's a few different reasons for that, uh, some which I've already gone through. Um, It says that it's normal for all women to sometimes have a higher number of follicles and it's normal for young women to always have a higher number of follicles because young women have more eggs. Uh, It also says that there are two situations in which temporary PCOS occurs. This was super, super interesting for me and I'm going to run through why. So these are teenagers. So when you're a teenager, you have a super irregular cycle. You may have higher androgens as you're going through puberty. There's uh, insulin resistance when you're going through puberty as well. So PCOS should not be diagnosed until at least three years after the onset of periods. That gives your period time to regulate. It gives your hormones time to regulate. PCOS should only be diagnosed more than three years after the period has started so that everything just has time to regulate. Let's give some time. All we've got is time. Let's just give it some time. The other situation where it can be common to present with PCOS symptoms um, and be diagnosed as PCOS when it's not actually genuinely PCOS is 
after you stop taking the pill. So if you've been taking the pill for a really, really long time, once you come off the pill, your body can go into this, you know, um, temporary state of androgen excess. And the reason why this happens is that you're coming off a contraceptive drug that uh, was suppressing your androgens. So this can cause a temporary, you know, uplift in the androgens, which can lead to a PCOS diagnosis. And that's why it can be quite common for people to come off the pill and be like, oh my God, my acne came back, my skin, you know, it's just blowing up because I've come off the pill. Uh, It's not because you've come off the pill. It's because you don't have the pill suppressing those androgens anymore. And those androgens come kind of come and have a party on the surface of your skin like we're back with a freaking vengeance if you just give it a bit of time and there aren't any underlying issues then those androgens should steady down uh, and just support that with a healthy diet keeping in mind as well that uh, contraceptive birth control can also increase insulin resistance and it can be a freaking huge contributor to the insulin resistant PCOS type as well Hormonal birth control also disrupts the healthy signaling of the hypothalamic pituitary ovarian axis, which can make it hard to resume ovulation once stopping the pill. So then that would mean that amenorrhea uh, is taking place. So you're not getting that healthy menstrual cycle. And then if you've got the acne and you've got the menstrual cycle that's missing, and then maybe you're presenting with a few cysts on your ovaries, then in our traditional diagnosis of PCOS, where there's very limited understanding of the human body for individuals um, assigned female at birth, then it would be a PCOS diagnosis when it's not necessarily the case. It's just because you've stopped contraceptive drugs and you're kind of getting this influx of different things happening to your body while your body's trying to regulate what the hell has been going on. So yeah, just to close that one off, the pill or hormonal contraception in general, even if it's the Nova Ring or anything like that, it has a huge impact on the body. It suppresses a lot of our own natural functions. They're synthetic hormones, yada, 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 could go on for days. But there's a lot that happens when we're on hormonal contraception and a lot that needs to change when we come off it. So that's why these things happen. It's good to kind of understand what's going on. And I think that covers everything that I wanted to scream into this microphone for the past 20 minutes. So if you have any questions about any of that, please let me know. I'm always looking for new people to talk to. And if you have any questions about anything in general, I freaking love to read them. I read them all. I'll respond to any that I can help with. Please remember, I'm also not a medical professional, so I can only give information that's general in nature or just refer you to resources from uh, qualified professionals. Eventually in 50 million years, when I finish my part-time degree, I will be qualified but it's just not yet (laughs) but you know what in the meantime have a freaking amazing couple of weeks stay curious about your body and i'll speak to you soon bye-bye thanks so much for tuning into this episode of congratulations it's a cyst we hope you enjoyed it and we can't wait for you to join us again next time if you haven't already, go check out our website at www.congratulationsitsassist.com.au. 
Here you'll find all of our episodes, our Lady Parts blog with amazing stories from incredible women, our recipe section with plant-based, gluten-free and refined sugar-free meal options, and a way to contact us. If you want to give us a follow, you'll find us on Instagram at Congratulations It's Assist, Facebook, Congratulations It's Assist, or you can reach out directly, Kayla at congratulationsitsassist.com.au. And please remember, anything discussed on this podcast does not constitute medical advice. I'm not a doctor. I'm just interested. Please speak to your GP or other healthcare professional before making any changes. Oh, wait, one more thing. The music for this podcast was created by my amazing partner, Matthew Tanner, in our friend Harry's house. Until next time, know you will assist.